Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from April 18th by Dr. Jeff Anderson, titled, It's Your Funeral. The children's sermon today could not have been any more perfect for the message. And it always kind of, uh, it shouldn't surprise me, but it does. It always kind of surprises me when things like that come together where you haven't planned it and haven't really thought about it and talked about it. But I want to ask the question today about uh, adversity and suffering that comes away, comes our way. I think all of us would agree that misfortune isn't always the punishment of God. There's times when misfortune is just misfortune. <laughs> and, but there are times when God is trying to speak to us through misfortune, and that misfortune has a very direct role and very direct relationship with us. And so how do we make this connection? And then what the children's sermon brought out is why do we only make this connection in a one-sided way? We never connect all the great blessings that we have, and we never say, oh man, I had the best week ever. God must be really trying to speak to me. What do we say? We said, man, things have been bad this week. God must really be trying to get my attention. Why, why do we only see things from one side of the perspective. As life always is, life is complicated. And there are times when God sends adversity our way to show us that the direction that we're going is wrong. Let me just say that again. There are times when the difficulties that we face are due to God's hand of punishment on us for our sins. But there are also times when we reap God's blessings and God is just as much trying to communicate with us. He has something to say to us during that time and that issue. And of course, wisdom is, is knowing when is God speaking to me through the circumstances that are coming my way in my life? How do we connect those circumstances to the revelation of God. That's where we're headed today. How do we connect the circumstances of our life to the revelation of God? And I wish I could give you five little simple, simple formulaic things that if you just follow these five things, then you know, oh yeah, God's speaking to me in this situation and that situation. It's not that simple. Life isn't, right? Turn to the book of Amos, Amos chapter 4. And while you're doing that, it may take you a little bit of time to find that book. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit ignored by us, especially as Christians. But I want us to look at Amos chapter 4 and read through a passage there. And while I'm doing that, I just want to remind you, in case you haven't been around the last year, what has been going on in terms of our world and the misfortunes that have come our way. And we could begin with COVID. I think yesterday announced over 3 million people in the world dead now to the COVID-19 virus. 192 countries we've all experienced. We all have family members and friends that have gotten sick 
from it? When do we know when that is the hand of God speaking to us? If you remember, last year began with all these fires. 2020 began, and by the way, New York, New York Times called um, 2020 the year from hell. <laughs> and it began with all these fires in Australia and all these fires in the West Coast. I remember one day, almost 200 people died in Australia in one day through these fires that just rushed through these brush fires. And it wasn't long after that, I don't know if you read about the locust invasions in Kenya and Somalia and 10 different countries in Africa and the Middle East, the worst locust invasion that they have had in recordable time. And uh, I've kind of followed this all through my ministry where when I was um, young, people were dying across the world at the rate of about 40 million um, people per year to starvation. 40 million, that's a lot, just to starvation, mostly kids. And over the last 20, 30 years, that rate has gone way, way down to about 15 million. But this year, because of these locust invasions in the Middle East and in North Africa, they're expecting that number to climb right back up to over 30 million deaths because they can't get any food. We can call and have a package delivered in a day, and we can't get food across the world to people that need it. That's what's been going on this year. The explosion Beirut, murder hornets, if you've been reading <laughs> about the murder hornets, they've been heading their way up the west coast, and of course, this global pandemic. So how do we know when this is just adversity? And how do we know when God is, is punishing us for our sin? That's, that's a difficult question to ask. And uh, these prophets help us out with this. And you say, this kind of help I really don't want. Thank you very much. But let's see what Amos has to say. Amos chapter 4, verse 6. He lists seven calamities that God sent to his people. And these calamities were intended to get their attention and to bring them back to him. And I want you to listen as I read through these calamities, and then we'll talk about them just a little bit and then make some um, application from the New Testament. But as I read through this calamities, I want you to hear a refrain that happens five times over and over again. You'll hear it as we go through. Chapter 4 of Amos, verse 6. I gave you absolutely nothing at all to eat in all your cities a storage of food in all your communities, a shortage of food in all your communities, yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. I also withheld the rain from you while there was still three months from the harvest until harvest. I sent rain on one city, but no rain on another. One field received rain while a field with no rain withered. Two or three cities staggered to another city to drink water, but were not satisfied. Yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. I struck you with blight and mildew. The locusts devoured your many gardens and vineyards, your fig trees and olive trees, yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. I sent plagues like those of Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword, along with your captured horses. I caused the stench of your camp to fill your nostrils, yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. 
I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you are like a burning stick snatched from a fire, yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. Therefore, Israel, this is what I will do to you. And since I will do that to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. So he mentions these seven tragedies that came the way of Israel, all the way from famine and lack of rain to um, lack of food to uh, overthrow through war, through locusts, you name it, with these seven plagues that came their way. And he says, I sent these to you. I was behind these. And then the refrain that happens over and over again, yet you did not return to me. These seven um, calamities are not coincidental. I want you to look at the, another book in the Old Testament before we come back here to Amos, if you just for a second, take a look at Leviticus chapter 26, beginning in verse 18, and I'll just uh, kind of read this passage here about the seven calamities that he promises that are going to head, head their way. I'm going to start in verse 21, in, in, excuse me, in verse 18. It says, but after these things, if you, but if after these things you will not obey me, I will proceed to discipline with you, discipline you seven times for your sins. I will break down your strong pride. I will make your sky like iron, your land like bronze, and your strength will be used up for nothing. Your land will not yield its produce, and the trees of the land will not bear their fruit. If you act with hostility toward me and are unwilling to obey me, I will multiply your plagues seven times for your sins. I will send wild animals against you that will deprive you and your children, ravage your livestock, and reduce your numbers until your roads are deserted. And in spite of these things, you do not accept my discipline, but act with hostility toward me. Then I will act with hostility toward you. I will strike you seven times for your sins. I will bring a sword against you to execute the vengeance of the covenant. Though you withdraw into your cities, I will send a pestilence among you, and you will be delivered into enemy hands. When I cut off your supply of bread, ten women will bake your bread in a single oven and ration out your bread by weight so that you will eat and not be satisfied. And if in spite of this you do not obey me but act with hostility toward me, I will act with furious hostility toward you. I will discipline you seven times for your sins. You will eat the flesh of your sons, and you will eat the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your high places, cut down your shrines, and heap your lifeless bodies on the lifeless bodies of your idols. I will reject you. I will reduce your cities to ruins and devastate your sanctuaries. I will not smell the pleasing aroma of your sacrifices. I will also devastate the land so that your enemies who come to live there will be appalled by it. But I will scatter you among the nations, and I will draw a sword to chase after you, so your land will become desolate, and your city will become ruins. So we have these two passages, one from the book of Amos in the prophets, one from the law, and they all list these seven calamities, which are representative of this, this, um, these uh, difficulties that that come the way of God's people here. Now, the difference between us and them is this, is 
we have the ability nowadays to hear about all these calamities around the whole world, and we can hear them in live, instant time. Every day, every time you turn on the news, you can, you can probably find seven calamities going on in our world every single day. What was going on here with Israel is these were some things that their particular city, Samaria, and their nation, Israel, faced firsthand over the course of maybe decades prior to this time, um, at least years prior to this time. And these were things that were kind of natural in the Middle East, happened all the time, famines happened all the time, locust invasions happened all the time, military battles happened all the time. So on one hand, they could have argued, yeah, 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 these are things that happen every day. And that's probably what they did argue is, yeah, you know, I know it's been a, a bad few years and I know we've had this and this and this, but if you notice the refrain there in Amos, the refrain that happened over and over again is, yet you did not return to me. You did not return to me. So God in this instance, in this particular instance, was trying to get his people's attention through the difficulties that came their way. Now we're going to see there are some opposite times in the Bible as well where God sends all this bountiful blessing, but with the same purpose, with the same idea. Well, let me just kind of walk through some of these verses pretty quickly and, and um, talk about the high points here, and then we'll, we'll head to our application. So in verse 6 there, uh, literally, he says, I gave you cleanness of teeth. And if it wouldn't be for COVID, I would have passed out toothpicks to everybody in church today for you guys to, uh, to think about this. You know, if you had pancakes for breakfast, you probably don't need a toothpick. But if you had steak and eggs, you might need a toothpick with your breakfast. Or if you were so poor that you had nothing to eat, then what you've got is cleanness of teeth. You don't even have to brush your teeth. Here he says, this is what I gave you. I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities. And my translation says, I gave you absolutely nothing to eat in all your cities, a shortage of food. The Bible tells a number of times where Samaria, the city he's preaching to here, uh, went through various famines of different kinds. And uh, the Bible's pretty blunt about how bad things got so much so that not only did all the prices go way up, but they ran so completely out of food in some instances that uh, they had eaten all the animals and they were resorting to cannibalism in some sometimes because of the difficulty here. So this was the first issue, was this issue of famine. The other one was drought. Now, I don't know how many of you are... Um, uh, unrepentant farmers or farmers that used to be farmers or were raised on a farm. But I remember as a, um, a kid, we had a dry land farm, which meant that it was hard for us to get water to it. And so we were dependent on the rain. And I would watch these storms develop and these clouds grow black. And I thought, oh, today's the day we're going to get some rain. And they would kind of pass on over and rain at the neighbor's yard or 
rain a couple miles down the road at somebody else's house. And as a farmer, you know, that's the most frustrating thing. And he, here's what he's talking about here. He says, yeah, I kind of hit you here and there with rain, and one town would get it, or one field would get it, and another field would not get it. And people were maybe saying, well, you know, is this God speaking to me? Is this what God is, is having to say? Why did I get no rain and everyone else did get rain? That's the issue that's going on here with this issue of drought and rainfall. I was just reading this uh, week in a study about the capital city of Samaria. Unlike a lot of these major cities in this part of the world, many of them had their own um, kind of sneaky way of redirecting a spring near the city underground to inside the city wall so that they'd always have water. But Samaria, the capital of Israel, did not have access to that. And so what they had were hundreds of little cisterns cut into the ground to collect every little bit of rainfall so that when it did rain, they'd have a way to catch the rain and have a way to have plenty to drink for uh, their families and to feed their animals and things like that. Well, if you've got famine for a long period of time, it doesn't take very long before those cisterns run dry. And here in this passage, he talks about people wandering, staggering is the word he uses, from one city to the next, trying to find a little bit of water. All these things got nobody's attention. Yet you did not return to me, is what the Lord says. People that are incapable of remorse. This part of the world, they get zero rainfall, zero, from May through September. So what they do is they plant their barley and they plant their wheat in October and they have a rainy season. They have a wet season and a dry season. And the wet season provides rain for their crops and for the trees. And then when, when it turns off, it's, it's off and there's absolutely no rainfall during the summertime. And so if you have drought in the spring, in the winter in the spring, then your barley or wheat sprouts and starts to grow and then dies and withers. And so that's the picture that he's giving us here with this. Blight, mildew, locusts. We're used to mildew here in Alaska, but our mildew is black and related to moisture. Their mildew was yellow and related to drought. All these things kind of piggybacked on one another. And blight was the, were, were these hot winds that blew into their fields and into their crops and just kind of burned everything up very, very quickly. So the picture here is a picture of um, bad stuff happening but bad stuff happening with a purpose. And the purpose was, was that God was trying to get people to connect their circumstances to his revelation, to what he was trying to say. And I just want to say this is, and I, I can't give you the answers for this, <laughs> But this is what God is trying to do with you today. He is wanting you to connect your circumstances 
to what he is trying to say to you. Now, that doesn't mean that every problem that comes your way is your fault. That doesn't mean that every misfortune that you are facing is because of your sin. But some are. And God is a God who is alive and active and who wants to speak to us on a day-to-day -day basis. And we need to be listening to what he has to say. Now, I want us to look at another passage, though, that turns this kind of on its head a little bit. And this is what Jesus had to say in the New Testament. Let's look at Luke's gospel in Luke chapter 13 for just a moment. Luke chapter 13. He, he has a very different um, application, but the same conclusion here in terms of repentance. Now remember, in Amos chapter 4, Amos is saying, all these things came your way so that you'd connect the dots, yet you refused to come to me. The problem in Amos was just stubborn refusal on the part of God's people. Well, notice what Jesus says in Luke chapter 13. He says, at that time, some people came and reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And um, Pilate was a notoriously bloodthirsty leader. He didn't bat an eye about killing people under his authority um, because of something that he thought they were doing that was out of place. In fact, Pilate was so bloodthirsty that Tiberius, the Roman Caesar, called him back home and fired him and exiled him because of his harsh treatment of other people. So that's what's going on here. Pilate has killed a bunch of people. Uh, it says the blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. He responded to them, do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? See what Jesus is saying? These people that Pilate killed, do you think they were bigger sinners than everybody else? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will perish as well. So the application is completely different here, but the end result is the same. Let's just read a, read a little bit further in verse 4. Or those 18 that the Tower of Siloam fell on and killed, do you think they were more sinful than all the other people who live in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. So unlike Amos, Jesus turns this picture on its head because sometimes circumstances are different. And Jesus says, all these people that were killed by Pilate, that doesn't mean they were worse sinners than anybody else. And when this tower just accidentally fell down and killed a bunch of people, that doesn't mean they were bigger sinners than the other sinners that that tower spared. But then his application is the same. We still have to connect the dots and say, what is God trying to say to us through our own circumstances and the way that he's speaking to us? He says, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Jesus sounds like an Old Testament prophet here. Pretty harsh language. And then we won't look at this passage, but there's a bunch of them. I'm thinking of Hosea 11 in the Old Testament where um, Jesus said, or uh, 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 
God says to the people of Israel, this same bunch that Amos is talking to, by the way, he says, I, I led you by the hand as a little baby. I nourished you as a nation, as a child. You didn't even know that I was the one that was nourishing you and caring for you. Yet I loved you and I cared for you and I supported you. Yet you did not turn to me. I gave you this and I gave you that and I blessed you with this blessing and that blessing, but you never connected the dots. You never put two and two together that I was the one giving you these blessed things. In 2 Samuel 12, right after David has sinned with Bathsheba, Nathan the prophet comes to him and, and says, David, I gave you this and I gave you that. I took you out of your, your, your family and I blessed you with this and I, I poured this blessing on your lap and, and this is what you're doing. I've given you all these blessings, but you refuse to listen to me. There's a guy named Tony. Hope there's not a Tony out here. I'm, this is nothing personal. <laughs> but um, ordinarily smart guy. But he had a weight problem. And his physician, who never minced words, said, buddy, you got to lose 30 pounds, 40 pounds. Or your heart is not going to take it. And he was on all these heart medications, and he had high blood pressure, and the doctor was just increasingly frustrated with Tony and said, look, man, you got to listen to me. you got to do what I tell you to do. You have to lose 30 or 40 pounds. Well, Tony had a mild heart attack. They patched him up, did what they do nowadays. And a year or so later, goes to see the doctor. Nothing has changed. And so the doctor just throws up in hands, his hands and says, Tony, it's your funeral. Do what you want. And walked out of the office. And I think that is kind of what God is saying here through this prophet Amos. He's saying, hey, here's what I've given you. Here's the message I've brought to you. These bad circumstances, these good circumstances, the rolling ups and downs of life, yet you haven't returned to me. You have not done what I've been asking you to do. It's your funeral. Well, Amos ends up in verse 12 where it says that um, God says, Therefore, because you refuse to do what I tell you to do, we're going to have an intervention. This is the language God uses. Prepare to meet your God. I know when I was little, whenever <laughs> I'd get in trouble, my mom would say, wait till your father gets home. Well, mom, what's he going to do? Oh, you just wait until he gets home. We'll see what he's going to do. It was the... Um, Suspense was its own form of punishment, <laughs> okay? And here in verse 12, it says, this is what I'm going to do to you. And then it doesn't say what he's going to do in Amos chapter 4. He says, I'm going to do this. Well, what are you going to do? Well, the suspense is its own 
form of punishment. Just wait, God says, and your punishment is going to come. I'm sure you've heard, I'm going to close with this famous Taoist parable. You've probably heard it before. Once upon a time, there was this Chinese farmer whose horse ran away. That evening, all of his neighbors came around to commiserate. They said, we're so sorry that your horses run away. This is most unfortunate. The farmer said, maybe. The next day, the horse came back, bringing seven wild horses with it. And when the evening came, everybody gathered around and said, oh, isn't this lucky? What a great turn of events. You now have eight horses. The farmer said, maybe. The following day, his son tried to break one of the horses, and while riding it, he was thrown and broke his leg. The neighbors then said, oh dear, that's too bad. And the farmer responded, maybe. <laughs> the next day, the conscription officers came around to conscript people into the army and force them into the military, and they rejected his son because his son had broken his leg. Again, all the neighbors came around and said, isn't that great? And the farmer said, maybe. <laughs> so my point is not to give you five fail-safe truths here that you can apply to any situation that you're facing this week. My point is to tell you is that God wants you to make the connection. Now, the, the things you're facing may be absolutely awful this last week. The things you're facing may be absolutely wonderful. Or if you're like most of us, it's probably a little bit of both. But what God is wanting us to do is not just glibly walk through life and refuse to come to Him, to turn to Him. And that doesn't mean we can always draw a one-to-one -one connection to every single event that happens in our life and say, oh, this is God, God did this, God's doing that. We, you know, we, we can't just draw, it's not a quid pro quo thing where everything that we do is meted out with the same amount of vengeance and justice on God's part. But that doesn't mean that we just kind of skate through life not thinking about what God is trying to say to us. God is a living God. And it is His nature to speak. Let me just say that again. It is God's nature to speak. That's, that's what He does. He didn't just, there's a lot of people, by the way, nowadays that think God only spoke long enough to write a book and then He just disappeared. No, it is God's nature to speak to us. Yes, he speaks through his word, but he also speaks through the circumstances that come our way in our lives. So let's listen to him and let's do what we sense him telling us to do through the good circumstances, through the bad circumstances that come our way. God is speaking. Let's listen to him. Let's pray. 
Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.